This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his essay, The World Bank and the $100 Billion Question, our guest today, Steve Berkman, explains how the World Bank has pushed a debt-based development strategy for third-world countries for decades. Hundreds of billion dollars in loans were supposed to bring progress, yet the programs have never lived up to their promise. Instead, governing elites amass obscene fortunes while the poor shoulder the burden of paying off the debts. Berkman is a former World Bank staffer. His essay is part of the book, A Game as Old as Empire, The Secret World of Economic Hitmen and the Web of Global Corruption. Steve Berkman, welcome to Weekly Signals. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, how, how are you doing today? Are you up in Northern California? No, sir. I'm out in uh, Leesburg, Virginia, all oh, really? the way on the other side of the country. Oh. And uh, we're having great weather today and um, just kind of laying back and taking it easy this morning. Leesburg, Virginia. I don't know why I had Northern California in my mind, but good to hear everything's fine in uh, Leesburg. Now, tell us, what, what did you do at the World Bank? Uh, what was your job there uh, in, let's see, the 80s and the 90s? Uh, well, it, it, it kind of evolved. Uh, I had a varied career before I came to the bank uh, in a number of sectors. I'm, I'm a technical person, and um, uh, at some point in my career, I got into technical education, and from there, uh, worked uh, in the petrochemical industry for a while on training programs, setting up training programs uh, in North Africa and the Middle East. Uh, and that was uh, what led me to the bank. Um, they hired me in 1983 uh, to work on the training components of the various projects that they fund uh, at that time in, in the West Africa region. And um, every project that the, that the bank uh, funds, almost without exception, uh, has a training component, uh, and these can amount to many millions of dollars, um, whether it's training bulldozer operators on a highway project or or economists for the Ministry of Planning. Uh, uh, it, um, uh, it all came down to organizing these uh, programs and seeing that they were implemented properly. Um, now you went to Liberia, is that correct? This is uh, that was my first, uh, my very first mission, mm -hmm. and um, I, I think one of the things that struck me immediately was uh, uh, the futility of, of everything we were doing, oh. and uh, and that those feelings only deepened uh, over the years, but. Um, uh, we we had that very first project was a an urban development project uh, in Monrovia and it was during the uh, time of the Doe regime and and it it was just unimaginable I mean the brutality of these thugs and um, uh, you know between terrorizing the population and raping the treasury there, there it didn't seem like there was much we could do there uh, and yet we were lending. And his uh, his people uh, money, and it just didn't make sense to me. And no, they were being trained to do what? No. Uh, well, uh, we were training the. Um, uh, for example, I was working with the, the uh, human resource 
manager for the um, uh, local city council uh, in setting up training programs so that they could provide uh, uh, training for the uh, workers, the, the workers there in the uh, county and the city government. And um, uh, there were some overseas training components, uh, sending some of the senior managers off on uh, uh, courses or workshops and so on. This was very typical of, uh, of the kind of work I did at that time. But, and, um, but the money eventually was misdirected, I, I guess you'd say. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, over the years, I mean, what I observed uh, was that uh, uh, take the uh, the overseas training. I mean, it was it was strictly a uh, uh, total boondoggle in that uh, uh, people would. Uh, take more money than they needed uh, to uh, send themselves overseas. I mean, there's government administrators and so on that were uh, in charge of the funds would then send themselves off on junkets of one sort or another, uh, uh, go for PhDs uh, in any subject imaginable, uh, as long as they could stay out of the country and, uh, uh, and pocket uh, the excess funds that they had withdrawn. Uh, many times... Uh, they they'd never show up at the courses. They'd uh, uh, disappear, show up at the end of the program, and uh, and whether they got a degree or not was really irrelevant. Well, I want to uh, step back just one one step in this process, and that is to ask you: How does um, the World Bank decide? What's the process that someone who is applying for a loan from the World Bank? How does that come about? Is it is it all always from governments? Is it from NGOs? And then uh, walk us through a little bit of that process. Uh, okay. Well, I, I think the uh, the analogy I like to use is basically the World Bank is a credit union for governments. Okay. Uh, uh, it does not lend to private individuals or, or uh, NGOs, although I believe. Uh, that they have been lately uh, making grants uh, to NGOs and uh, for specific uh, activities, but uh, but by and large, it's a credit union for governments. Um, there are about roughly 185 governments that are uh, members of the credit union. Are they are they contributing members? Do they? Get, most of the money comes from a very few countries. Is that correct? Yes. Well, the the members contribute uh, based on some formula that I, I know okay. nothing of. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, for example, um, uh, uh, Benin might contribute a uh, million dollars, whereas the U.S. Uh, would contribute hundreds of millions. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's a, a variable uh, contribution rate. Mm-hmm. And uh, but to get back to your question, um, in principle, the government would decide. For example, we need to build a new hospital in the in the capital, uh, and they would prepare, uh, you know, all the necessary information, yeah. do the background work, and and come to the bank with a proposition that we need money for this uh, uh, hospital. Um, unfortunately. Uh, it really works the other way around, and, and what I have found is that the lending process uh, 
uh, is uh, conceived at the bank and it's conceived by the bank and uh, in a way it's conceived for the bank. Uh, uh, in, in most of my experience, uh, it's been the bank that has led the way in uh, creating these projects for which it will then lend money. So, so when you say that, is that an indication that these projects are being funded in order to support some kind of private or corporate interest, in order to maybe provide an infrastructure that will allow a, a, a corporation, a multinational corporation, to come in? Or is there, a, is there another political agenda in play here? Well, uh, actually, it's, it's quite complex, and there are probably yeah. a, a number of agendas that are at play here. Okay. Uh, in my own experience, um, uh, I, I never sensed that there were any uh, multinational corporations pushing uh, for these uh, loans. Now, that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. and I'm sure... Um, there was a lot of uh, perhaps uh, lending in the uh, petrochemical sector um, that there would be some pressure uh, of that nature. Um, politically, certainly during the period of the Cold War, I think that uh, uh, that there were a number of cases where politics played a big role in that. And uh, perhaps a, a good example would be uh, lending to Mobutu in Zaire. Uh, during those times, uh, who, who was a, as corrupt as anyone on this planet, and um, and yet the bank was lending money, and and I'm certain, although I wasn't uh, party to uh, to any of those loans, that um, that there was pressure from uh, uh, the U.S. government uh, to uh, to lend money to him to keep him in our camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my sense is uh, over the years that. Uh, uh, the bank has evolved a culture, and it's all about lending, and this has been written up uh, any number of times, uh, uh, but nothing has changed. There's still pressure to get money out the door, and so you have a, a uh, bureaucracy that is totally focused on that uh, particular objective, mm-hmm. and uh, they will conjure up any way they can to uh, uh, to. Um, create a loan package. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Steve Berkman. Uh, he's a contributor to the book, The a Game as Old as Empire, and his essay is The World Bank and the $100 billion Question. Now, uh, you also have, a, you told me you had a manuscript that's just been uh, accepted by a publisher. Is, yes, that's yeah? correct. Um, a- I, uh, I had been, um, well, just to back up a, a minute, uh, uh-huh. Been with bank operations in Africa for 12 years and then retired at the end of '95. Uh, but I had been pushing for the creation of a fraud investigation unit because uh, we weren't doing anything about that issue. I mean, money was being stolen uh, at every turn, and and nothing, nobody was raising the alarms. And uh, in 1998. Um, uh, they decided to form a fraud unit, uh, which was something I'd been pushing for. And uh, so I went back with them for another four years working as a lead investigator on a number of uh, cases. And um, over the years, I had uh, more or less accumulated a number of uh, case studies and documents and so on to support my the points I was trying to make. And I have now put that together into a... Uh, book form and uh, uh, happily have just uh, 
concluded a deal with a publisher, and hopefully uh, the book will be out uh, in the next six months, perhaps okay, eight months. Do you have a title for that? Uh, working title right now is The World Bank and the Gods of Lending. Okay. <laughs> uh, whether that remains, I don't know yet, but uh, that's, what, that's what I've been working with. Who, who are the gods of lending? <laughs> uh, the World Bank. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, boy. Now, the, the almost emblematic story that you uh, wrote about in your essay, right when you arrived in Monrovia, I think it's the mayor that comes up to you and says, where's the money? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's, it, is that pretty much uh, the way it works? I mean, they, these... It's nothing but about the money. It's not about helping the poor, which is the you know I I think what the purpose of yeah. many of these loans are about supposed to be about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that was uh, I mean it was a real shocker for me. It was my first trip out for the bank. I'd only been hired a few days before, and um, uh, I mean this guy comes up and uh, with a pistol strapped to his side and. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, the month before he was probably a corporal or something, but he was now a colonel, and um, uh, yeah. you know he didn't know what what the game was and just thought we were bringing money. Yeah, so, sacks, pallets of money. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> I, but but to answer your question, I, it's more subtle than that, and and depending, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in some places the the whole game is much uh, more sophisticated than in others. I mean, Argent- I did uh, investigated cases in Argentina, for example, where they're okay. very sophisticated. Uh, but um, I have calculated that depending on what figures you want to use, the bank could be losing anywhere from four, five, six million dollars a day oh. to as high as 17 million a day oh. in fraud, due to fraud. And uh, this is uh, this is uh, carried out through fraudulent documents uh, uh, and uh, all sorts of uh, scams that are primarily perpetrated by uh, the government officials in these third world countries. I, I mean, yeah. uh, I only have to mention Haiti, where where I've investigated some cases as as, as an example. I mean, why are we lending money to governments, uh, you know, like this? It's, it's just... Uh, so it, Hard to fathom. I was just going to go back to Argentina. There's, uh, it was a hundred million dollar health program. Where was where was the corruption there? How did the money get channeled there? Well, we uh, we had allegations of, of uh, fraud on one particular contract, and and of course this was one of many uh, where um, um, and it was hospital uh, hospital construction and equipment and uh, some oxygen generating. Plants were uh, purchased through a local uh, Argentine company that was really a shell company. They they were set up, and in fact, they were not even uh, legally incorporated at the time they were awarded uh, the contract. It was uh, three quarters of a million dollars uh, for two units, and um, uh, it was set up between the. Uh, uh, proprietors of the shell company and the project officials, and um, they had worked out a scheme whereby they would uh, uh, actually get the equipment, which didn't always happen, but they actually got the equipment, except that it was improperly specified, and they, uh, had we not exposed it, they would have uh, walked off with several hundred thousand dollars uh, in profits uh, for which they uh, had done nothing. 
and uh, they they ordered this equipment through a U.S. firm who was uh, an unwitting uh, provider of the equipment. I mean, they they had no idea that uh, a scam was underway. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Steve Berkman and, and his his um, chapter, his essay in uh, this book. Uh, a game as old as empire, the secret world of economic hitmen, and the and the web of global corruption. His essay is the World Bank and the hundred billion dollar question. And I want to. There's, there's a statistic that's in the book which I just find staggering, and I don't think people quite understand. Just to give some sense of the enormity of this problem and and how these so many of these countries remain in destitute poverty. Um, there's a t- statistic that says third world countries pay more than $375 billion in debt service, which is 20 times the amount of foreign aid that they receive. And uh, it says, it says the, this is called the Marshall Plan in reverse. Um, this is, what are we to make, who's, who's economic interest other than, the, it sounds like the leadership of these countries that are getting m- many of these uh, loans from the World Bank are benefiting from it. I, you hear these stories of these despots who have hundreds of millions of dollars in Swiss bank accounts. Beyond that, who is being served by this? Is this a, is the North versus the South? This is an economic struggle between the haves and the have-nots, and this is well, our way of maintaining in, um, power over them? Well, yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, it's it's again, it's all of the above. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, the most authoritative person to talk to on the aspect of debt service, but uh, I can tell you. I mean, uh, and this is something that I talk about in my manuscript uh, uh, that I mean, there are a lot of people feeding at the trough, yeah. and unfortunately, what I have. Uh, observed is that the the hue and cry about corruption has been almost totally focused on the multinational corporations and the financial interests in the West, and they are part of the problem. But uh, I've tried to direct uh, focus to the uh, these corrupt government elites. I mean, do I have to yeah. you know uh, uh, talk about names? You've got Marcos, you've got Suharto, you've got Mobutu, you've got yeah. you know. I mean, you can run down the list. These yeah. guys have billions in offshore accounts, and and so. Um, uh, there are a lot of people feeding at the trough. You have, uh, for example, uh, if we have a highway project, uh, Caterpillar or Komatsu are going to get big orders for bulldozers. Mm-hmm. And so everybody has an interest in keeping this whole thing afloat without a whole lot of regard for the poor people we're supposed to be helping. And, and unfortunately, I say this, it's depressing as it is, is that many of the, the people that you just listed, most of them, if not all of them, were considered friends of the West, people that were uh, considered rock-solid allies, certainly during the Cold War and beyond. And, yeah. and, and it, it is, that's where I'm, I guess, so un, unnerving is to sort of come to grips with this idea that these incredibly corrupt, brutal dictatorships are considered our friends. Well, yes, uh, sad to say that that's uh, exactly right. Um, Oh, I did. I want to get a little bit further into this because you did um, at some point. You talked about Paul Wolfowitz, right? And how he was trying to be an agent of change to sort of clear out the corruption uh, within the World Bank. And um, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, 
the, the idea of reforming this institution, but certainly uh, let's talk a little bit about Paul Wolfowitz and his role. Well, uh, again, uh, you know, I've been kind of out of loop uh, there uh, in, in recent years, but I still have a lot of friends there. Yeah. And um, my, my initial perception when he was appointed was, uh, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> here's a guy coming with, with all his baggage from Iraq. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I know for a fact that a lot of people felt that way and even worse uh, when, when, he was, uh, when his name was uh, brought up. But having said that, and, and if we put Iraq aside, um, he did try to carry the uh, anti-corruption business uh, further along from his predecessor, uh, James Wolfenson. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I give him I give him credit for that. I you know uh, again if you just look at that aspect of it, uh he came in and he he I think one of the things he did that absolutely astounded me was uh, when he uh, put a halt to an 800 million dollar loan to India. I mean one of our star clients uh you know because of the uh widespread corruption uh on this uh, proposed health project. And this this does not sit well with the bank's bureaucracy. Uh, I mean, I have uh, during my tenure there, I went through four presidents, or they went through me, one or the other. Um, and um, when you say uh, bureaucracy, are these officials who are in charge of deciding where the loans are going to go? Is it they have they have many of them been there? Decades? Is this sort of a? Is there some kind of an old boys club? Absolutely, in, okay. absolutely. I mean, uh, the I don't know if it's changed very much, but several years back, uh, uh, Mr. Preston, who was then the bank's president, made a comment that we had uh, the lowest turnover rate of any institution he'd ever seen. I mean, you have people, uh, international uh, civil servants, uh, who. Uh, Are come from all over the world, and uh, they have a they have a very tight control over uh, the institution. And presidents come and go, but they remain. And so uh, they they're the ones that, that they determine what information gets up to the president, what doesn't. And uh, uh, Wolfenson started to change that because he was very aggressive. And uh, I think Wolfowitz was following that, uh, that path, and this did not sit well. So do you think he was, so you think Wolfowitz may have been undone by this bureaucracy? They, that oh, they chinned up this, this thing of uh, him and his girlfriend? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I recently met with some uh, confidential sources there, and uh, uh, he was set up. I mean, they. Uh, uh, I mean, he was perhaps foolish to uh, allow it to happen, but uh, basically, uh, they led him down the primrose path on this, and, and it gave them uh, an issue to get him out. I'm only hoping that they don't feel strengthened by this and mm -hmm. and uh, decide to uh, uh, keep uh, Zolik in the, in in a corner, uh, you know, whatever he tries to do. He's the new president. He's the new head of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, he's been... A, a it, is, it is based on what you've just been talking about for these last 20, 20 minutes or so, that uh, in, a, in, a, in an institution that is ripe with uh, feeding corruption, certainly um, underwriting it, uh, that that they would be outraged at uh, at this uh, boyfriend girlfriend thing and uh, and the effect that it's had on 
wouldn't be the open. first time. Yeah. Well, so. I can tell you, in, in my experience, there were a lot of office affairs going on yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're picking this topic to get them. Uh, yeah. uh, well, it's you, just you, an indication. As, as much as I, I didn't like Paul Wolfowitz and his role in the war in Iraq, it was hard to get too angry, to get too worked up about this no. whole thing. I found I found a sort of manufactured outrage over it. It was Absolutely. a little a little bit uh, off putting. Um, well, uh, Steve Berkman, I want to thank you for for being here on uh, Weekly Signals once again. The book is a a game as old as Empire: The Secret World of Economic Hitmen and the Global and the Web of Global Corruption. And your essay, The World Bank and the Hundred Billion Dollar Question. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.